for the people that have physical challenges that they're dealing with, it actually gives them this kind of like superpower in what it is that they're working for because they have established their systems well. They are efficient. They know their boundaries. They've had a, a chance to figure that out. Whereas sometimes if you don't have those challenges, you have a lot more flexibility. Go with the flow or go with what clients need more. I think there's a lot of opportunity there just to learn from other people and see why people are good at certain things and take that and run with it and be like, you know what, that's actually like the superpower because of this thing that looks like it could potentially be a weakness. Welcome to the Elizabeth Yang Show, where we explore the benefits of diverse leaders expanding your brand authority online to create massive impact and happy sales. Now, let's dive in because your legendary life is waiting. Hello there, it's Elizabeth. So excited to bring to you Carrie Poppleton in just a moment here. In today's episode, I want to share with you a really amazing story through Carrie. I'm all about representation in the marketplace, helping people of other get heard, get seen, get well-paid online. I want you to meet Carrie. Not only is she an amazing expert at what she does, but she is a person with a disability. And we're going to dig deep into how she has created an online business that has allowed her to work through her disability, create a business that she loves. She's also a mom, She's also so many different things. I want to just ask you to hang on here. I really hear her story, her journey, and how she used the online business space to really create the freedom to support the life and the business that she loves. So Carrie, thanks for being on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Where are you tuning in from? So I'm actually in Winnipeg, Canada. So we're an hour north of the U.S. border. Oh, yes. I love my Canadians. So Carrie is a certified director of operations and certified dashboard designer. She's passionate about helping online business owners understand their numbers so they can make data-driven decisions. From the time she started an e-commerce company over a dozen years ago and through the years of supporting six to seven figure entrepreneurs with streamlining and systematizing their business operations, she's had firsthand experience with the importance of identifying a business's key numbers and tracking them reliably. So that's what she does at the day job, so to speak. But behind this business, behind all of this, I hope that what we can dig into in this episode is really your journey of like how you got here, how you created this business, this data-driven, certified dashboard designer role that's really just giving you the flexibility, I don't know, the empowerment maybe, if that's the better word, for you in your business. So Carrie, how long have you been in the online space? Outside of my e-commerce business, I've been in this space for about four and a half years. It kind of came about as I was digging in to see how I could support my e-commerce business better and realizing that there was so much more opportunity out there that I could use those skills I had used running that business to be able to go and actually help other entrepreneurs. It was like this light bulb moment of realizing that there was so much more out there. I kind of fell down the rabbit hole in it. I've had a chance to work in kind of a lot of different support areas in businesses. And through that and working with unbelievably amazing clients, recognizing that numbers are a spot where a lot of people have a little bit of trouble and they're not super comfortable with it. It's not something they're very excited about, but it's so incredibly important for them to be able to understand so that they can make great decisions in their businesses. 
Tell us a little bit more about what a certified director of operations and certified dashboard designer does. Like how do your clients work with you and what does that really mean to entrepreneurs? So from the certified director of operations side of things, that kind of comes into everything that's on the back end of the business. So we're looking at teams, systems, processes, project management, that type of thing. I do work with a couple of clients on an ongoing basis there. But like I said, digging in and working with businesses and getting so in deep with them, realizing that numbers, it kind of always comes back to that really needing to be able to understand that. Most people just don't have those at their fingertips. So that's when I started to pivot into looking more specifically at marketing measurement to be able to see how can we get those numbers and how do we make sure they're accurate and how do we have them at our fingertips when we actually need them rather than having spreadsheets and spreadsheets and tools with all sorts of analytics that we never really looked at. I saw that there was a little bit of a hole in the marketplace there and really love to serve people in that capacity. I love that. I have to tell you, Carrie, just on the surface meeting you like this, I would never guess that you are a person that would consider yourself a person with a disability. I know that when I was asking my network, looking for entrepreneurs that were open to sharing their story with having a disability, you were one of the ones that raised your hand and said, look, I'm willing to talk about this. Let's transition a little bit from the business to like the personal side of who you are. I know that your mom with kids, a family, but share with us like your journey and your story. You bet. I've been married to my wonderful husband for, I think, 17 years. Uh, and our kids are 15, 13, and just about to turn 12. They've been around through our whole entrepreneurial journey, which is very interesting as well, because they don't really remember anything different. My husband actually is an entrepreneur as well. He works at home. So we have a very different home work life than most families do. And it's been really great to be able to raise my kids alongside of that. So they see lots of options that are out there. I originally had actually started my first business, my e-commerce business, kind of as a reaction to the fact that my health was failing. I was really sick at the time. This is about 13 years ago. I had one little kid and was pregnant with another. And I just kept getting more and more sick and we could not figure out what was going on. Went to lots of doctors and they just couldn't figure it out. Basically, I was having these horrible attacks of symptoms, which ended up with blacking out over and over and over again, which is very scary when you're pregnant and you have a toddler in the house. And the more things that I kind of lost being able to do, the kind of normal like mom and wife things and parent things that people get to do. I started to not be able to do them. I couldn't cook. I couldn't do laundry. I couldn't do cleaning. I stopped being able to take the kids out of the house by myself because it was just too dangerous. And it's a really tough thing to go through, especially because I'm a doer. I love to get things done. I've always been a busy person. And basically I got down to like, I could sit <laughs> and that was the safest thing for me to be doing. And so that e-commerce business really came out of, okay, what could I sit and do or make that I could sell to do something? It really gave me something to focus on and something that would allow me to feel productive in the midst of a very complex season that was very overwhelming and very scary. Cause honestly, we had no idea what was going on. So through a lot of years, and then we had obviously added on our third kid as well, and finally found some doctors who could help us out and finally hit a diagnosis. I have an illness called systemic mastocytosis, which is a problem with your immune system. Basically, the cells that normally protect your body from things that you're allergic to and things like that, I have way too many of them and they act very inappropriately. So where someone would normally have, say, for a peanut allergy, your body responds in a particular way to that allergen. Mine responds to almost everything like it's being exposed to someone like who has a peanut allergy. I have these anaphylactic reactions to dozens of different things, including like physical exertion and sunlight and friction and lots of foods, scents, chemicals, pressure on my skin, lots of like medications and any kind of like stress, like good or bad, getting overtired, things like that. So it's very complicated and it involves a lot of very careful management to be able to keep me safe. 
But obviously that meant that working in the outside world was not really an option for me anymore because I'm mostly housebound. I'm not able to drive or to be out on my own. I can only my feet for a couple of minutes. So I use a wheelchair outside of the house. And it became very challenging to think I'm never going to work a normal job again. Like there's no way that I could step into that. And I was actually on disability because the doctors completely agreed. Like there is no way that you could hold down a job. So like how rare is this condition? What are the odds? Did you have a history of this in your family? Or was it just really just, wow. Definitely not with this diagnosis. It definitely, it took a long time to figure it out. The doctors had kind of given up and thankfully I had wanted to become a medical doctor. So I had taken a lot of research methods and biology and anatomy courses and stuff like that, which gave me at least the baseline to start studying and to start digging into it. And we finally narrowed down what it was, found a specialist and got diagnosed. I think our numbers in Canada and maybe in North America, I think it's about one in a hundred thousand people, but the majority of those people are actually kids who have it and they have a skin version of it and the majority of them outgrow it. So the people, number of adults who actually have it is actually very, very small. So yeah, it's a tiny number of us. So take me back to that moment when you and your doctors were like, wow, like I'm not going to be able to hold a regular nine to five Monday through Friday job. Like what was going on in your head? I think it was very overwhelming. I was so sick at the time. Like I was so sick all the time. <laughs> if you picture having like the worst food poisoning you can imagine and also not being able to be up on your feet, it's kind of like that, but chronically all the time. We were scared because we didn't know if it was anything that was going to be life-threatening in the very near future. We had a whole bunch of little kids that we were taking care of. It was scary. And I think it was daunting to think about the fact that the dreams that I had for the things that I wanted to be able to accomplish and the way that I wanted to serve people, impact people's lives was going to be narrowed and not have an opportunity to get beyond that later on because there's not a cure for this. It doesn't get better. We get to the point of the best ability that there is. It's not going to shorten my life in any way. So when you think about that and you're like, I have a lot of years ahead of me and I don't want to sit on the couch for all of them. I want to do something and be productive and help. So when was that turning point where you're like, wow, I can really do this online business thing? I think it really was when I realized I could help other businesses with social media because that's what I had been doing some of the work for my e-commerce business anyway, and then realized, oh, I could help other people with this. And my e-commerce company, it wasn't bringing in a lot of money. It really was a very side hustle that was just kind of giving me enough to do. But I remember going to my husband and saying, I think I could legitimately do this and serve other people in this capacity. And then started having that little inkling of, being able to dream again in the tiniest little bit. And I said, can you imagine if I could make enough to replace my disability income, which was not a lot of money, <laughs> but that was the, the first dream was like, wouldn't that be amazing if I could get off disability and work my way off of that. And so within the first year I had done that and I was able to transition off of disability. Wow. Congratulations. And Thank you. you. All this glimpse of hope. Mm -hmm. and you were like, what if I could replace my disability income with this? If I could do that, obviously can go beyond that, right? Definitely. At that time, I wasn't even thinking beyond it. I really was just thinking that first up, like that would be amazing. Within the time periods I was able to work and the few hours a week that I was able to actually be able to do things productively. By the end of that year, I was off it. And the change for me of being able to let go of that and to be able to like hope for the future and to be able to say, I'm going to let go of that support and be able to step forward. It had a bigger impact on me than I ever would have known until I literally got my last check and they're like, you're done. That was like, this feeling of like hope and being able to like breathe again. I didn't expect that. I didn't foresee that coming. It was such a great moment for us. Yeah, it's so huge. I grew up with an aunt who had a disability, polio as a kid. So she walked with a limp, but she was one of the most 
courageous, empowering women that I grew up with. But to see someone with a disability, the way that society treats them, mm-hmm. like it was so hard as a kid for me growing up. And I didn't quite understand it until I got older. For her, her heart was always to serve. I hear that a lot with you and to make an impact. I really, truly, genuinely as a kid, like even now, I don't know how she got through it, but I love what you shared, which is the sense of hopelessness, but you didn't even realize, some people don't even realize how hopeless you feel until you start to see this glimmer of hope. And you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was the case. But through my aunt's work and, you know, I've supported her work with working with people with disability is it's so important for, I think, all humans to feel like they can make a meaningful contribution. We genuinely want to make a meaningful contribution. We genuinely want to be able to support and take care of ourselves. So for you to get to that point where you hit that huge milestone for you, which was just to replace your income with disability, it's huge. So where did it go from here? Where did it start to evolve? Because we're talking about business. We're talking about the online business being a really great alternative. But I also think that, you know, my experience working with people with disabilities is that our self-worth comes into play mm-hmm. and the ability to charge more and even feel like you're worthy to charge that much. Mm-hmm. Like, did that show up in your business? And how did it show up in your business? Absolutely. And I think it's something that I still have to fight against a tiny little bit. There's still a little part of me that goes, oh, but I'm just this disabled mom from Winnipeg. Who am I to do those things? It was a huge challenge, especially at the beginning, because I think it was hard for me to see how my previous experience and knowledge really applied in the online space because I was learning so much and it was so fast. And I honestly was just so excited to have an opportunity that I was willing to work for not a lot of money because I was just so excited. I was like, oh, but I can do it from home. That's just amazing. I think it's just been a progression over the years of stepping into different positions and taking on more responsibility and realizing where my zone of genius is and how I can really have an impact on those businesses in in the most amazing way. And then realizing as I went along that the amount that I charge for that needs to match the value that it's bringing to those businesses. Because if you're charged way too low, People also don't really understand the expertise that you have as you're bringing into the business either. It's definitely the mindset part of this has been probably the biggest hurdle to overcome and recognizing that just because I physically can't do things here doesn't mean that my brain isn't still able to do all of the work and to support my clients in the way that I want to be able to. I started off too of not really wanting to let anybody know about my illness because I was really concerned that people would hear that and think, She's not going to be reliable, kind of look down on that and think that there's something wrong with that. I have to say that except for one experience that I've had in the past four and a half years, every single person has not only not had a problem with it, but they have been so encouraging and supportive. And that is amazing that you do that in spite of all of the challenges that you face. It's actually made our working relationships better than before they knew. That was a big thing for me was telling people in the first place and letting that out there slowly with the clients I had worked with for a long time. Because at first I think I felt I had to prove myself before I let them know that I was disabled rather than them knowing that up front. How did you find your courage to finally get to that point where you're like, I don't need to prove myself. I should be transparent up front and the clients that are meant for me will still embrace it or they're not for me. How did you find that courage? That's such a good question. I think it came from two different areas. One was really being in community with other people who are business owners and for them hearing my story and for me carefully saying, does that change how you would look at me? Does that change if you would hire me? They all looked at me shocked and said, no, if anything, we respect you more because we know that you can fight through this and you can handle this. 
you're going to be able to handle anything we throw at you. <laughs> so wow. I think that was part of it, of getting that reassurance from other entrepreneurs too, and seeing it through their eyes, as well as looking at how I view other entrepreneurs that have challenges. And it wasn't like I was looking at them and thinking, oh, they're not going to be reliable. It was the opposite too. And just realizing that my perception and everyone else's perceptions were very aligned. <laughs> I think that was part of it. The one negative experience that I had where someone didn't want to work with me after they found out, I think that was actually an amazing catalyst for me owning it more and realizing where my boundary was. Boundaries are really important to me. Oftentimes we can define the boundaries easier when we look at things that are not okay to us. Sometimes that's easier than looking at the things that the positive side of the boundary. And when that happened and that experience happened with that client, that definitely was a boundary for me of that is completely fine that you feel that way. And I'm so happy that I know that now so that we don't continue the working relationship. It made me much more confident going forward of recognizing that if somebody finds out and they don't want to work with me, that's completely fine. They are not my people. There are people out there that are, and that's okay. I love that. So I just want to re recap that because I love taking people's wisdoms and insights and turning into something tangible. Oftentimes, I think just us in general, right? Like we have these self-worth issues and challenges and fears around judgment. And I really love what you said here about how you found your courage because oftentimes I call it people of other, but for you it was really your disability. It was really around one. I heard surrounding yourself with a really supportive entrepreneur community mm -hmm. and really using them as a sounding board to say, hey, would you judge or what do you think and how is my positioning with this, right? And then two, also using your own perspective, your own lens of do I judge and filter other people based on other challenges they might have? And then reconciling that. I love how you said too, like, how this one negative experience, you turned it around. And it actually, what I heard was, it made you even stronger in your conviction. No longer are you waiting to prove yourself and say, oh, by the way, I have this disability. But you're like, no, I'm going to move that to the upfront. It's either you're in or you're out. It's just better for us to get that out of the way so that everyone's like on board. So I really love how you leverage that negative experience to get even clearer on what your conviction is and what you stand for. I think part of it too, I mean, it's not like I go into a client call when I'm first meeting them and say, hey, just so you know, I'm disabled. But I guess it's more out there in terms of on social media, I talk about it and I talk about it on my stories and things like that, because it's just so much a part of who I am. I don't get to do the normal mom things. I'm not dropping kids off in the morning at school and I'm not in the line at Starbucks picking up coffee and things like that. We live a very different life. So it's not like I hide that. That being said, though, it is very different because online you see what people present to you, right? When I meet people in person, they obviously can tell I'm in a wheelchair because they can see it. Whereas online, you don't get to see that as much. I'm just much more comfortable having conversations about it and really trying to encourage other people who are disabled to say, there is so much opportunity. And if you have to work from bed in your pajamas, you are still every bit as valuable. And the work that you do is so worthy for the companies that you're working for. Whatever the limitation is, it doesn't matter. People just want you to be able to fulfill on what it is you promised to do. Absolutely. Let's go back to pricing and sales. What's your best advice if someone is a person that has a disability, wants to start their business, and they're like, I just feel so uncertain and I don't have the confidence to be charging my worth. I know I should be charging. Like, What's your best advice for them? I think it's such a tricky thing to manage because everybody has such different things that they struggle with. For me, it was definitely going in stages and looking at if I'm learning a new skill, maybe that's something I charge a lot less for. And as I've developed my skills in certain areas, you start to realize, hey, this is actually having this amount of revenue impact on a business that starts to become more valuable and your packages become more valuable because you can serve them in a completely different way. I went from making 
$15 an hour to most of my packages now start mid four figures minimum to be able to, to come in and do data implementation and mapping projects. But it was a process. Like it, it really is. And I, I don't think you wake up one day and all of a sudden you say, now I'm going to charge $15,000. It's a process because we grow into the people who are able to charge that. And not only in terms of our skills and the value we bring to the business, but also as a person feeling comfortable and confident with that, knowing that you can deliver that amount of value to your clients. That's huge. And I love what you said there is that one, everyone is different and everyone has a different threshold, if you will. I think the important thing is to have a goal to grow into it, not to just let it, we'll see how it goes, but really like, I want to set a goal of being able to charge this much and I don't want to grow into it, whether it's, do I need the experience? charging a little bit less to get the experience, to get the confidence to get there? Do I need to invest in the certification and to build the competency to get there? And then also just making sure that I hit this point home too, which I think is really critical that you shared, is that understanding the impact of your contribution to the other person's bottom line or their business or their life or whatever it is, like paying attention to that clue is so huge because people know add value, add value, but no one really knows, okay, what does that even mean? But it's really paying attention to how your contributions specifically delivered XYZ value or benefit. And sometimes we don't know. So we just have to ask, like ask your client, Hey, I just worked with you on this project. How do you think it helped you? And it's mm-hmm. as simple as just that question. How do you think it helped you so that you can hear that feedback for yourself? You can get not only great testimonial, hopefully, but also building your confidence because we all have blind spots. Sometimes we're like our worst critic, right? So great, great, great insight on that, Carrie. And I think that confidence part is such a key one, because at least for me, I think that I had lost a lot of self-confidence when I lost the physical ability to do a lot of different things. I mean, nobody specifically made me feel this way, but I think one of the things I took on was feeling like in society, you're not as valued as people who can go and do all of the things, right? So being able to find ways to build your confidence in those ways. And like I said, for me, it was very much baby steps of like, oh, I served them in this way. And the client said that it had this impact. And then the next step and the next step. I'm a completely different person now than I was four years ago, because as every entrepreneur knows, it is not an easy thing to go through. It is not for the faint of heart. And there's so many ups and downs and pulling us outside of our comfort zones. But I cannot imagine a better way now for personal growth and to be able to be challenged and do all of these things I never would have imagined I would have done. But it was all those baby steps along the way. So I think one of the biggest things is just choosing to still be brave and look for ways that you can continue to serve and continue to try new things, especially if it doesn't line up maybe in your real life of like physically what you're able to do, if you have those kinds of challenges, but look for ways that you can keep building your confidence in other ways and it spills back over, I have found into kind of my normal day-to-day life. Yeah, I love that. It seems like over the almost five years of your business, now that you're an expert with dashboards and data and all of that, like share with us maybe the common mistake that you are seeing or you've seen with entrepreneurs who start to make that transition from like startup mode to growth mode. Maybe they're finally stopping to be a solopreneur. They're getting consistent sales or either at that six figure or their next six figure, they're starting to build out a team. Like what is the common mistake that people make when it comes to their data and making sense of all of those key performance drivers in their business? I think one of the biggest things that I've seen is that as businesses grow rapidly and because we're in the online space, sometimes that happens very fast that people hit onto a certain thing. They're great technicians at something, or they've hit on a product or course or coaching or something that they're just excellent at. And a lot of these businesses see such massively exponential growth that they're just in this like running mode of like, we just got to keep going. We just got to keep going. There's certain points where you hit a certain revenue level 
and a certain level of work where you just can't keep going on your own. As you said, you bring team members in and look at how you can streamline and make things more efficient and pivot a little bit. One of the things I think that has surprised me the most is the number of the business owners that I work with that are hitting those high six figures, low seven figures that honestly do not look at any of their numbers whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So their biggest thing, they look at their revenue or the money that's hitting their bank account. I was just going to say, isn't the most important metric just the sales? Yeah. <laughs> what, what other data are you talking about there, Carrie? Yeah. So that's really the only one that people know, which is amazing to me, especially when you see these people who are having these amazing success, right? Yeah. Uh, so knowing things like, what are your expenses every month? How much profit are you actually bringing home? Are you actually paying yourself? Which is a really important one. I get down and more into the nitty gritty of how many offers do you have and which of those offers are actually selling? You see a lot of people put a lot of time and effort and a lot of their team's time into supporting products that are not making up the lion's share of their revenue. So once you get a really clear picture of that, you can start to say, is it worth all that operational time to run this program that maybe worked really well a couple of years ago, but maybe it's not serving your clients well, and maybe it's not serving your business well anymore. And then getting really granular into like specific funnels that are working and saying, if someone starts to say, oh, our funnel isn't working, we need to come up with a new offer. Well, hold on, let's look and actually see which parts of your funnel are working. Where is it broken? Because you don't want to fix something that's actually working, thinking that you're actually fixing something that's broken. So we start from the top and work down. I think the most fun thing for me is seeing that light bulb go off when people realize like, oh, I have all of that data and I can actually use that not to use too much of it because that's actually not helpful either to go into overwhelm, but to find those key numbers that will really help them as they bring the team on to be able to focus on where their time should actually go and what's actually helping them. For example, it might be that somebody, most of their traffic, they're, maybe they're spending a ton of time investing into Pinterest and trying to drive more traffic that way. And then realizing that's not where their people are coming from. They're getting traffic, but they're not getting any conversions from their traffic from Pinterest. Whereas Instagram is driving maybe a little bit less people, but their conversions are amazing. You start to look at, okay, do I either need to completely revamp the Pinterest strategy it's not working or do you actually need to focus and really utilize Instagram since it's working and put more in that jar to make it work more um, and really focus on what's working so you can do more of it. Lots of very cool information like that that I've seen with clients that really helps to focus in and say, this is where you should spend your time because as you get team members, the CEO's time is freed up a little bit and they can come up with all sorts of ways to spend their time that isn't necessarily going to move the needle in the right direction. You know, I love that because it's really about informed decision-making, right? So that you can invest energy and time to prioritize certain things because it's not always, I mean, at some point when you get to multiple six figures, it's not always about the next shiny marketing strategy. It's really about just fine tuning. I call it the one degree shift. And that next level just requires you to really just figure out where is that one degree shift that we just need to fix that's going to catapult this. And it's not like having to rebuild like a brand new funnel or like what you said, like a brand new a new offer. I think most importantly too, like without the metrics, I've found at least working with my clients, and I don't know if this is true for you, is that without the metrics, you honestly can't effectively manage a team. Like you don't know how people are truly contributing to your business. And especially female entrepreneurs actually get really shaky with decision-making about letting people go or letting people stay. I found, especially working with female entrepreneurs, that they'll get into this, if only I mentor them more, if only I coach them more, if only I gave more, maybe they'll get better. I think just having those key insights or data to help you better manage your team so that you know where those boundaries are and that there's a transparency that way it just allows you to make a much more informed decision about who stays and who needs to go. And honestly, 
like how much you have given. And maybe now it's just really, you got to just cut your losses. So huge as we grow our business. Absolutely. And you get so much clarity from your numbers, but you also get so much stability. That part, maybe we don't talk about enough of how much confidence you get in knowing that you can go back to your numbers to make a decision. I love numbers and my husband's an engineer. He loves numbers too. (laughs) We still have times when we're, we just had to buy a new to us car because our old one was kaput. We were like looking at all these different options. The first thing that we did was we went and looked at how much do we actually have to spend on this? <laughs> like what's our range? So rather than looking at 40 different options, we're like, okay, well, this narrows it down. This, And then what are the specifications we need? That narrows it down. Oftentimes we try to avoid getting those actual data points and we just make decisions off of gut feeling, but it often doesn't feel completely confident because you're just not quite sure. If you're like, well, I think we had 600 registrations for that webinar last year. And so we probably converted it about mm, 5%. It's so much different if you can actually go and say, this is actually our conversion rate. So let's make decisions based off of that. It's so stabilizing and it gives you so much more confidence moving forward when you literally can look at the number and there's no feelings in numbers. The numbers aren't saying something is bad or good or whatever. They just are. It makes things so much less scary. Absolutely. So understanding how important it is for you to come to your own self-worth journey and how the online business space has really provided you just this amazing alternative to creating that life and business that it, I can tell you're just so passionate about what you do. And I think that's so inspiring, Carrie. When I first met you and I said, we could talk for hours, but like the intent of this was just really to share your story and just to say, this is really inspiring. You can geek out on things that you really enjoy. You can bring your strength to the table. Your disability does not need to limit you. And the online space allows us options, which I think at the end of the day, that's what people just want more of is just the ability to have an option to choose and make the best decision for themselves. Absolutely. And just because they physically can't do one thing doesn't mean that they can't go and do something else. There's other opportunities. We just have to find that one thing that you can do. And maybe it is only one, right? Very, very limited in the things that I'm able to do, but I can do this. And so I want to choose to do it well and to serve people well and to do it with excellence because that's the thing that I can do. I'm choosing to do that. So clearly being your own entrepreneur, business owner, you have control over your schedule, capacity, flexibility. How's that showing up for you with being a mom with kids and a family? So it's a little tricky when the kids are home. So when they've been home for summer, we just have a lot, of, yeah, a lot of juggling. Like I said, my husband works at home too. So there's a lot of that. It's a little bit easier now that my kids are older. One of the things that's been working well is to have set office hours because I was finding that I was feeling that guilt of when I was working, I wasn't with the kids. And then when I was with kids, I wasn't working. So having more set office hours have been really great. In terms of my own personal boundaries and well-being, I don't work mornings because my body doesn't function well in the morning. I only take clients calls and basically work in the afternoons or sometimes after everybody goes to bed because I'm a huge night owl. So it's been a lot of flexibility and just trying to figure out what really does work best for me and then trying to find the clients that work along with that. So unfortunately, it means sometimes I don't get to work with people in Europe because their workday is over by the time that I started taking calls. That was a tough decision I had to make to know that it was going to be more sustainable for me. I was actually going to be able to serve them better if I wasn't getting overtired and getting sick because I shouldn't have been that type of thing. My kids are unbelievably supportive of all of it and they love to cheer me on. And it's a real joy to be able to do something that enables them to see too that just because I can't do a lot of different things doesn't mean I'm going to choose to do nothing. Yeah, Yeah. We're so leading by example as a mom, as a parent, right? You're demonstrating to them what resiliency looks like and how your disability and your challenges isn't limiting you. I know when I became an entrepreneur, it was really like, I want to lead by example. I often say my kids don't listen to me as often as I would like, but they 
do learn our values through seeing us in action. And what a great way for your kids to learn about resiliency and overcoming challenges and setbacks through your own real example of life. Thank you. That's very encouraging. And we don't know what their lives are going to look like or what kind of challenges they're going to have to overcome and that type of thing. So I think building resiliency into them early and having them see that you still can push forward even when things are hard or when they're challenging or when it's different than what you expected it to be. I think that's such a positive thing for them. And it just changes their perspective so much, especially in these formative teenage years that we're in the midst of. I got to tell you, because we know we're talking about parenting, we're talking about motherhood, even for my own kids, seeing me have an online business and knowing that's an option and it's a viable income stream. It's like, Somehow it just makes them feel a little bit more empowered that I don't have to just get that eight to five job, that if my mom can do it, I can do it too. And my kids are definitely a lot savvier (laughs) online than I am. So at the end of the day, you realize that what you want for yourself is that the more possibilities really comes through options. was really inspired by your story, Carrie, because again, the first time I met you, what I really appreciate from you is that just the positive, optimistic sort of vibe that I get from you, you're smiling. And like I said, like on virtual online, I would have never guessed you were in a wheelchair or that you need to be in a wheelchair, right? So just to be able to just have this conversation, keep it really real and hopefully inspire other people who have disabilities to say, look, like if someone like Carrie can do it, there's hope, there's possibility for you. And what I heard a lot in what you were saying was just surround yourself with a very supportive community, especially in the online space. There's tons of online communities to be a part of. You also shared self-awareness, just really understanding what your strengths are, what geeks you out with passion, what lights you up, knowing what your body needs from a health perspective because of your disability, knowing your own limitations, but also owning and being transparent with the client's so that they know what you're capable of and what you may not or where you may have opportunities and where you may not. What would be your advice to this person that is looking to hire and then all of a sudden discovers that, hey, this person has a disability? I don't think people are judgmental or discriminatory on purpose. I think a lot of it is just unfamiliarity, unknown, maybe a little bit of just blind spots or just fear of not doing the right thing. Like, What advice would you share with that person about working with another person that has a disability? Mm, That's a really good question. I think the biggest thing is just starting to come to a point of understanding. Because like you said, I think oftentimes we don't know what we don't know. I didn't know before I started using a wheelchair outside the house that when you go to most stores, you can't see the numbers on the pin pad when you're using a debit machine because they're locked in a position that you can't actually see. Like I would never have thought of that. And how many years did I spend walking through stores and never giving a thought to the fact that that would be a hindrance for someone else? I think especially for business owners that are hiring people that are open about their disability, I think that you can kind of gauge how much do you really need to know? Are you confident in the fact that they're going to be able to deliver what it is that they're going to do if they're a copywriter or if they're a sales coach or whatever? If you're seeing that they're getting those results for other people, why would that need to play into the fact that they are dealing with some other challenge? Oftentimes, what I have seen too, is that for the people that have physical challenges that they're dealing with, it actually gives them this kind of like superpower in what it is that they're working for because they have established their systems well, they are efficient, they know their boundaries, they've had a chance to figure that out. Whereas um, sometimes if you don't have those challenges, you have a lot more flexibility, go with the flow or go with what clients need more. I think there's a lot of opportunity there just to learn from other people and see why people are good at certain things and take that and run with it and be like, you know what, that's actually like the superpower because of this thing that looks like it could potentially be a weakness. The online space has become a very safe place, at least it has been for me, of being open about it. Like I said, everyone's been very encouraging. And I feel like in that space in general, there is a lot more of a mentality of 
encouraging people to grow their businesses and to find the thing that works for them. It's just not looked down upon in the same way. So if someone is catching this and they are disabled, I would really encourage you to look for the thing that like, that lights you up, that you can do, that makes you happy, that you can use to serve people well and to really make an impact. Find a way to be able to take that to the people who need it the most, because there's people out there who need the solution that you have. And if you don't bring it to the marketplace, they're going to suffer because you're not offering that solution to them. Yeah, that's a great message. If you're on the opposite, you're the business owner and you're coming across someone that has a disability, like just be able to approach that conversation from a place of compassion and curiosity, I think is often a good place to start just to be able like, look, this is a little new for me. I don't know what this means, but let's start there. And let's keep it real. Even people that don't have disabilities, I mean, some people just get stuck in dramas in their life. They don't really need to get stuck on. And that also impacts the job, right? So evaluate the person based on a place of curiosity and compassion to listen. And then also giving them the benefit of the doubt to say, okay, I love what you said. How they delivered the work. What are their clients saying about them? What is that proof that they can deliver that? That's so huge just to be able to extend a little bit of more patience, just getting to know each other and seeing if it's a good fit for you and your business before making any decision to move forward, right? Yeah, absolutely. So for those that are listening, what's your best advice for those to stop being the best kept secret in their local town to hopefully inspire them to step up in the online space? What advice would you have for them? I think it really is to own what it is that you're great at because you have gifts and abilities and experience that and personality that come together in a way that is going to be unique to you. And even if there's other people out there that are offering the same service, they're not going to be the exact same that you are. If you know that you're great at something and you can really help somebody to solve a problem and you're not letting people know that you can solve that problem, those people are going to continue dealing without having a solution because there's nobody there to give them that hand. That's always been helpful to me in times when I felt pulled back or shy about it, or I don't know how to present this, but I know that I can fix this and make their lives easier. And if I don't say something, that's going to be a hindrance to them. That's helped me to think about it more in like a serving perspective rather than, I don't know, needing to be really pushy kind of way and taking bravery from that of knowing you do absolutely have skills that are helpful to other people. You can't help them unless you actually tell them about it. If nobody knows you exist, you can't help them. Absolutely. So own your strengths, grow into it, surround yourself with a really supportive community and really step into that and own your story, your narrative and really built upon that. I love that. As we begin to wrap up today's episode, Carrie's got a free guide. It's called five questions to ask your data. I love that title. It's fun. We're going to go ahead and post the link here for folks to download the free guide. What is the best way to get in touch with you if folks would like to reach out? You bet. So either on my website or just on Instagram, I'm at at Carrie Poppleton on Instagram. Message me there and I'm happy to chat about all of the things, but especially numbers and data. I totally love that. It's one of the things I love getting to dig into. Thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate your time. Your story is just so inspiring. So I hope that if you're listening to this and this really inspired you, share this with another person. I think that we have to support each other when we start to see stories that moved us, stories that made us maybe shift and think differently in our business and how we're showing up with our own self-worth and our own visibility. So do me a favor, share this with someone that you think could benefit from hearing Carrie's inspiring story and her journey with her online business. And with that, don't forget that you don't need to have money to leave a legacy. But I often say you do need to have happy sales to create legendary living now. A lot of that is owning your self-worth, owning your strength, and being able to charge and create a business that allows you the financial freedom 
to create the life that you love and be able to invest in the causes and communities that you care about. So thanks for tuning in today and we will catch you next time. If you are leaving this episode feeling inspired to up-level online and make happy sales happen, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Now go out and take those steps to build your legendary life.